all you mutant goons from beyond, it's that time again for the new Slashers podcast episode. My name's Doug, and with me is right here are my esteemed colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Aid and Jake. Why don't you guys say hello to the mutant goons from beyond? Oh. Ladies first. <laughs> don't be oh, bashful. That's so sweet. Hey, mutant goons. I hope everybody's excited for our week three of Talktober. Yay. You're pretty quiet there, lady. I think you need to get on a soapbox or a pulpit and start yelling. My name is Jake, and I'm perpetually yelling on this show, even though I don't yell raw dog near as much as I used to. Oh, that's okay. The neighbors still think you're crazy. And aid, too. Uh, So I noticed, too, when I edit the video, if you don't talk loud enough, it doesn't pick up because I'm, I'm recording off um, the Mac. So if you don't talk loud enough, it doesn't pick up on your screen because I know people are probably watching and saying, where's aid when she's talking? Like she's there. It's just the computer doesn't pick it up. We're not subjugating her as a woman. She's just not taking her part. You know what I'm saying? She's yeah. Saying, <laughs> bro. The video does come up though when you have Stella right there. So it picks that up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe know. it's just like her frequency of voice. So... I, I I turned up my microphone a little bit on the audacity, but I don't know how to make myself louder in here. Oh, that's fine. Well, you're you're highlighted yellow, and that's good. And and for all you people listening, this is some some uh, video tech issues. So you know, I'm sure you're all driving down off the the 110 freeway, waxing your carrot uh, in traffic when there's another accident because people don't know how to fucking drive. But uh, that's besides the point. I mean, we're all having a crazy week. It's the middle of October, as sad as that is. It's soon going to be Christmas, and you'll have people killing each other over uh, Blu-ray players and stuff, right? <laughs> Dude, right? What's the next Tickle Me Elmo? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think the new thing is uh, – well, remember, I think a few podcasts ago, back when I still had uh, my, my main job, uh, they were talking about the Alexa robots, and they canceled it last year, and they're coming out this year. I just saw advertisements for him on the uh, – saying they follow you around. They're, they're not creepy dolls anymore. They're more like uh, – they look like Johnny Five, but they follow uh-huh. you. That sounds awful still. Yeah. So, you know, just hide hide away in your uh, area with stairs and they can't get you up there. At least not yet. Not in this model. Jeff Bezos has to get seven more yachts before he can get Model 2 out. So, oh But uh, the thing about the whole Blue Horizons spaceship shit that he's dealing with where people are like, oh, no, it's like bro culture. Like – evil awful that's what's causing the big delays nobody likes it everybody hates it so if you are a genius someone smarter than the three of us combined who might work there let us know i'd love the deets yeah spill your cheese so <laughs> speaking of cheese um and tea i've been saying tea a lot more thank you aid for the uh, florida twang <laughs> you say that shit and then suddenly a podcast i listen to from australia talks about spilling the tea and i'm like i'm sorry what <laughs> I told you. It wasn't just a thing I say. Well, see, I thought that was like the UK. See, Australia saying I thought the Queen would have said that. It's like, oh, spill your tea in crippets. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure you guys are all uh, excited to hear about our new topic for today. And that is, I, well, the way I like to call it is bold statements. Because I've said a few things that I'm about to say here. And people have said, you should kill yourself for, for saying that you like this more than this. And uh, yeah, so yeah, for you film fans out there, we're going to talk about sequels and why some sequels are better than the others, you know, as opposed to most people saying, oh, it's a sequel, so it's not going to be as good as the first or it's just a cash grab. That's the case for a lot of movies. There's some films where sequels outdo the original and we're about to spill the cheese. (laughs) Hell yeah. There's a great get out of jail free card in that it's all subjective. If you like Evil Dead more than Evil Dead 2, which is obviously the correct answer, you're still correct at the end of this episode. If you like the other ones, you can still be incorrect at the end of the episode. And that's your God-given, Satan-given, 
Odin given right to do whatever you damn well please. So don't take it as this is some kind of meretricious argument against you. You have your safe space inside of your headphones between your ears. You're fine. This is just what we think. I don't know why you care what we think, but it passes the time as we shift forward on the mortal coil, right? Yeah, exactly. And see, that's uh, you know, some, and the, another thing too, uh, a lot of people grew up with some films that we're about to talk about uh, more so than the first one. And I think, I think nostalgia plays a big part on it too, which, Huge, which, yeah. Yeah. So you got anything to throw a wrench into that statement aid? No, no. I think I really like this topic because as we said before, there's going to be some fun debate as to whether or not we are correct in that. But I I think that uh, for the most part, the ones that I picked out are not as um, controversial. So I'm interested to hear what Doug has to say or why people are going to be very upset with him. Okay. Well, I guess I'll spill the first piece of cheese here. So um, I mean, and I'm not talking bad about it, but uh, so a few years ago, I was at the Frida cinema and they had a screening for, um, I don't remember what it was. They were screening some movie and uh, they were like, okay, we got to make a bold statement. And uh, I'm like, I think Creep Show 2 is better than Creep Show 1. And, uh, you know, that was just me. I was just like, I think, you know, three stories, it's 90 minutes, it's shorter. Every story's good. The first Creep Show, you have, uh, you have the crate, which is 40 minutes of a guy trying to kill his wife. I'm like, just fade it into the monster already and end it. You know what I mean? So I'm like, there's some parts in this. And then people were like, Ready to crucify me outside. Like, how dare you? Where, where are you parking? I'm about to slash his tires. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, I need to get out of here. So, <laughs> but yeah, so one of my favorite movies, in fact, it's another idea for me getting a tattoo. I have, I think I have like two of the original film posters. Not in the, I'm in the cinema room right now, so I don't have him up there, but I have the Creepshow 2 poster up in the uh, in our hallway. And uh, yeah, the reason Creepshow 2 always stood out to me the most well, I did see it before the original, and I remember my grandma renting it for me when I was about five or I was like five years old. And I remember the time, I remember the place, I remember the smell of the area I watched it in because my grandma thought it was a cartoon. Oh no! Because um. she must have seen like some advertisements in like the newspaper, and it had like the remember when the kids reading the the comic book and it's a cartoon with the the creep. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, "Oh yeah, here you go, watch this." And I was unaccompanied and I watched it in, uh, in in her room with the VCR and the Sega Genesis. And for me, when, when the just the whole – I was glued to the screen but I was so scared I couldn't even get up. You know, when you're like – as a kid, you're seeing something. You're so terrified. That movie traumatized me. I was afraid to go in lake water right next to the her apartments where, we, where uh, she had it. We used to go swimming in this little uh, hole. It was a it was a mine shaft that somehow they must have hit water and it filled into a lake and it was it looked exactly like the one from the raft. So when I watched it, I'm just like it it sucked with my subconscious. To this day, I still get a little anxious before I go into like lake water or water you can't see in. And I love wooden Indians. So wooden Indians that you see at like cigar shops and stuff. No matter even as a kid, I'm like I want a wooden Indian. I want a wooden Indian to have uh, for old Chief Woodenhead. Nice. And then uh, I guess my love for Twisted Metal did come out from uh, The Hitchhiker because that's that's some of the best car action you get. You know, the guy getting constantly ran over by a car and a car wreckage and stuff like that. And for me, as a kid, when I saw The Hitchhiker get shot through the hand and then the bullet in the head and the blood just kind of soups out, for me, that was like traumatized. So Creepshow 2 stood up there for me. When I watched the first Creepshow, I'm like, yeah, this is good. But there's – I mean, everyone loves it. But Jordy Verrill, that story is not very scary. And I always thought I'm like, eh, it kind of drags here. And then a little bit on the one with um, the the one with Leslie Nielsen. It's great. But you know what I mean? Like trim the fat. Give me three good solid ones here. And uh, yeah, that's what Creepshow 2 does. So 
Yeah, that's my statement. I think so. If you, it's Halloween month, so mm-hmm. I know it's streaming free on Tubi right now, or you can buy that Arrow uh, release or buy the original VHS. I have about nine of them. Just ask me to <laughs> let you borrow. <laughs> yeah, so Creep Show Two is the cream of the cream for the October month. It is spooky, scary, gory. Uh, it's not as colorful as the original Creep Show, but you know that little slice and dice of doom and gloom is what Creep Show Two is all about. And uh, just forget that there's a Creep Show Three that doesn't exist. Does that exist? I've literally it, never. That doesn't have anything in my gray matter. It does exist. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was released from this company called Taurus, and mm. uh, they basically just bought the rights to the name, oh, and no. uh, th- they're known for making like these. It, it, it's literally one of those movies you'd rent at Redbox by accident, Ugh. and it's, it's just by name only. And there's. It's it's just bad. It's not even Creep Show. I'm like, did the people who made this movie even watch the first Creep Show? Like George Romero, Stephen King have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. So that that's my controversial statement on uh, where I almost got sliced and diced in the parking lot because I said Creep Show Two was better than the first one. Um, but another one too, it, it, I'm sure you guys all like it too. But I prefer Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two over the first one because I, I love the humor and and uh, you know anything with a crazy uh, chainsaw wielding Dennis Hopper is a win in my book. Honestly, that doesn't offend me. I think that's just a tonal argument. You know, that's the difference between you know, I guess. If you like Michael Myers versus Freddy Krueger, you know, it's just I don't even count those as the same. That's one of the really hard things when I was preparing like my notes was there's so many movies that are adjacent to or kind of satellite kind of periphery to other movies, you know, like apparently like all the insidious and the conjuring and all that shit's the same. And then there's this shit that's the same. And, you know, what's a spinoff? What's a prequel? And really just sitting down and focusing like if we're doing a chronological order, which is better? And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that statement. I love the original Texas Chainsaw. I love like that's one of few movies I think I really still have the patience for, despite the constant barrage of new content where I'm like feeling like I'm always behind. You know, it's really cool because I'll just sit and watch that movie and I'll be enthralled the whole time. The phone doesn't come up and I never feel like I ha- like I've wasted my time watching something I've seen before. But I mean, I, I particularly love the entire Texas Chainsaw franchise two and three. So, uh, well, and the prequels and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Aid, what do you think? Is is Doug committing sacrilege by saying two over one? No, no. In fact, I prefer two over one as well. And not because you said it, but because that's the one I remember the most. Like the first one. I don't really rewatch. For some reason, Creep Show too. I've always watched it more than once. I feel like it's on TV a lot, or has been on TV a lot, or something. You know, and I will say too that when I was younger, it was really hard for me to get into anthologies. <laughs> no, I'll definitely I'll be right there with you because anthologies are a thankless chore, right? Because if you do an anthology. You're basically saying you as the editor or filmmaker, your tastes supersede the audience because what you might create is your hierarchy of a good flow of like best. And, you know, you start with a good one, you finish with the or middle is kind of the third is good one. You go to the second for the finish or however you want to do it. That gets so muddled. There are times where like I watch one like uh, a Christmas horror story. That the one with the guy with the elves, that's the best one. That's where you finish. Right. But I could totally see how somebody else thinks whatever you know, changeling Babadook thing is the best one. And so I'm right there with you. Anthologies, I, I would never make one. Yeah. And I I do like them now. I think I appreciate them a lot more now 
especially like uh, Trick or Treat is such a good like anthology type esque, but like with a whole storyline. And I guess a Christmas story, Christmas horror story, sort of all comes together at the end as well, too, right? Is that a the, bit more? Yeah, yeah. And then um, Tales of Halloween is really good too. So I feel that anthologies have come a long way. Like the first VHS was okay. There was like one or two good ones. Second one I loved. Third one forgettable i can't even remember what happened in the third one so who knows what's going to happen in the newest one which is the new one the i forget the name but whatever the one that's on shutter right yeah Shut up. yeah so so for those anthologies creep show too but what's the one i'm trying i can't even think now the other one that sort of came out around the same time that's not creep show it's well there uh, are the, the tales from the crypt ones and then uh, the vault of horror those ones are fun but I mean, those are 70s. They're way older. Yeah, I know a a lot of people. Here's one that another hot take, too. I like, uh, well, Tales from the Crypt, the movie that had two two movies, I think it was it was Demon Knight and then Bordello of Blood. Everyone hates Bordello of Blood, but it's so fucking campy. I love it. I I like like that movie. Yeah, I like it, too. And everyone's like, you like it. You're you're an F in my book. I like that one. But I I mean, I have to admit that Billy Zane's my boy because he was in Phantom. So that scene where he spits out a sponge, I had that like a gif of that from Demon Knight saved on my phone for like a year because I was like, one day I'm going to come up with a meme for this. But with how fucking filthy my mouth is, it didn't make sense that he would spit out a sponge, which is a cleaning device unless, oh, there it is. There's the meme is that he's been eating the sponge to unfilthy his mouth. It's funny you said that because when I think of Demon Knight, that's the first thing that pops in my head is the sponge. Yep. So, <laughs> so weird. Uh yeah, so uh, I, I do see that you have uh, Otis from Devil's Rejects in your background as well, too. So that's another one, too, that um, it's funny because I, I love it. I'm like One of my favorite things is Westerns besides horror and stuff. Yeah. And, and I that's what's interesting about it. Mean, you know, people tend to rip on Rob Zombie a lot, but – what I like about him is that uh, you can go into it, like like I said, I think in the last podcast, give it a few years and you'll have probably a Rob Zombie class. It's like what makes his films like kind of like Kubrick? Because here's the thing. If you watch a Rob Zombie movie, you know you're watching a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. Well, but the thing that makes part two is just, uh, you know, or Devil's Rejects is that I, I think it, you know, that movie was only filmed in like 30 days too. So it was a real Crazy. quick shoot. Oh, wow. I didn't Especially know Especially when you take into account like the long panning shots, the very retro style with like the kind of 70s throwback. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that that's another one that shows you, you know, even if you're time constricted, you could still make a really good film. And that's that's got some of the best um, – because I love John Waters movies as well too. I think that has some pretty John Watersy dialogue too. And he's like, hope you boys aren't intending to – fucking these chickens (laughs) that's a very bizarre interlude and it's one of those things where you know he had 90 minutes he went even over so that didn't feel like as fillery as a lot of stuff but one thing i think especially with the condensed filming schedule if you look at like house of a thousand corpses inarguably a, a cursed production constant intermeddling from the studio and recuts and then the censors and whole plot points being disregarded and I've never seen like a full version of it, even like an unrated one. Like it's kind of like Event Horizon. I'll never know how good that movie could have been. But I think that The Devil's Rejects is objectively a good movie. It is cohesive. And there are ways that House of a Thousand Corpses may have been better if untethered. But the fact is, that's not what we got. And so you, even if you want to argue like preference and taste, I think that objectively, because of the cohesion, the production, all those things, Devil's Rejects is just better than 
the other. Yeah, and what makes it interesting too, like for a sequel, the fir- I mean, House of a Thousand Corpses, the way it is now, it feels like a uh, feels like a, like a carnival spook show, like kind of mm. like how Rob Zombie's '90s music videos were. Yeah, so that's kind of how it feels. Where the set, where Devil's Rejects is more focused on you know Baby Otis and Spalding, and it, it's a western. It, you know, in all intents and purposes, it, the the bad guys are on a road trip essentially. So, and then Three from Hell, I don't really know how to categorize Three from Hell because <laughs> I feel like that movie. I enjoyed it when I seen it, but when I rewatched it. I'm like, this movie really didn't need to be made. There's a line in Three from Hell where I think it perfectly sums up the movie itself. I think it's when Richard Brake turns to Otis and he's like, "So what do you plan on doing out here?" He's like, and then Otis says, oh, "Well, you know, I didn't really get that far. I don't really know what to do." I'm like, "Well, that's that's this movie in a nutshell." Yeah, that's a shame too because the success of Desmond's Rejects and how amazing it was, and I feel that even if you're not a Rob Zombie fan, that 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 particular movie is liked by so many people, even people who do dislike him. I think that's fair. I don't know if I'm just talking out of my ass there, but three from hell. Like what happened? I just, I was really excited about it. I think it's a fun fan, like a, like a fan made, like he made it for his fans who really like that family, you know, the firefly family or whatever. But as far as that goes, you know, Sid Haig has, no little to no time in there. Obviously, we know why. But Richard Brake is a great addition. I, I would have loved to have had him in part two. Honestly, like I think he's a really good character. I mean, he always plays a good character. Mm-hmm. But did we need it? I don't think so. I don't think it was as gritty and as um, just in your face as Devil's Rejects was. And with how even with House of a Thousand Corpses, like he says, Rob Zombie says it's a hot fucking mess. Like he's not like he's not as I think with it, you know, in with that one that he is with the devil's rejects and it really shows, you know, how much he grew and, and just his writing style and everything. Because even though they say the nastiest things, like it's, you cannot stop watching devil's rejects. Like you're just staring at it the whole time. It's just, it doesn't, you know, I don't think it ever falters. Like even like with, with Ken Forey and the, um, and the, the hooker house, what is it called? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, it's like, yeah, we don't need, you know, um, uh, we don't need to do that spaceship with people running around tripping over shit in here. Like, we don't need to do that spaceship in here because they were thinking of like doing like a Star Wars theme, like with the hookers, <laughs> <laughs> like just ridiculous shit. So I just everything about that movie, I think, is so endearing because you really do, I think, feel more for these characters than you did in the first one. So I think that when a sequel can do that and actually make you feel, you know, same thing with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Like you're on, of course, Bill Mosley is in that one as well. But you're on, I think you're on their side, right? Like I'm not necessarily thinking I'm on the DJ side. I mean, I liked her and everything. But you're yeah, kind of they're just for the, they're they're just too flavor. It's like I want the color. Like I kind of want their business to succeed. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> it's just like yeah i mean you know they're they may be cannibals but they're hard-working business owners they drive a food truck that shit's expensive so. of course you know we all know who they'd probably vote for if they were still here so you know what are we gonna do oh um, yeah yeah stalin <laughs> <laughs> i think one of the great parts about the devil's rejects that makes it empirically better than the first is the fact of they were introduced in a lackluster way that made you kind of curious, but they're not done well in the first one. They're just introduced. And so it's kind of like the folly of man where the second one is almost like a redemption story where it's like these half thought out ideas. And what's so great is the scale of it. 
the scale of Devil's Rejects is largely very low scale, but through these kind of dialogue parts such as, you know, talking about the Star Wars stripper and fucking chickens and all this kind of stuff, it's got that Tarantino-esque, Kevin Smith-esque earnestness to the conversation where that ingratiates you to them in a way where if they were introduced just in that movie, I don't know that I would have liked it as much. But because they you know, had that to come back from, it was like this redemptive arc, like a more contemporary analysis, like the Snyder Cut. You know, because I saw the first one, the Snyder Cut seems so much better by comparison because I get the fully fleshed out version of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I off base? No, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And and another interesting thing too, I, I thought about it, but uh, you know, with Devil's Rejects, you, you you're up close and personal with them the whole time, and these are like really despicable characters. Like for example, the whole motel scene. I, I think uh, to me that's a very scary scene. Like uh, it, to me, I, like every time I think of like something that's shocking, the the motel scene from Devil's Rejects. But it does something interesting because uh, you know this. You can base these killers almost like how Henry portrait of a serial killer is. Yeah, yeah. With Henry and and Ot- and uh, Otis, but I don't. It's weird because in that movie you don't like those characters. They're nasty, even though you're with them the whole time. You don't like them. They're like these are despicable characters. These characters are doing the same thing. Uh, if you know, sometimes even worse. But you're kind of rooting for them. It, it's it's weird how how Rob Zombie made it work like that because it, it works somehow. Because even uh, I saw Roger Ebert and uh, Roper gave it uh, two thumbs up. So it's interesting how that works here because you really don't like these characters, but then you also do like them. Like yeah, they're a fun family. I'd hang out with them. They'll probably kill me, but I don't hang well, out. Well, it's like them. Leslie Vernon in reverse because Leslie Vernon he starts off as a person who turns into a monster. But in this, they start off as monsters ostensibly, who then by the end of it, it's tragic when they're free-birded, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, and also, too, I feel that it's almost like they're so, sort of worn down at this point, too. Whereas the first one, this is something that they were, you know, used to doing, and they all looked still good and happy and fun. I mean, Otis was, like, totally, what, what was he? He was, like, really, really pale yeah. and just creeping. <laughs> I mean, he may have, he may be the only one who probably looks better in the second one than he did in the first. You know, you introduce all these other people. And of course, Danny Trejo does such a good job in this film, too. And it just, it's just. And Diamond Dallas Page, excuse me. Yes, and Diamond Dallas Page, of course. But, you know, and it's nice to kind of see them. You do root for them, but I really feel that the hotel scene is there to remind us how awful they are right because you're you're excited for them you're excited about their little journey and stuff and you're getting pissed off by the way that he's treating mama firefly and the prison and all of that and then you you know you you go back and you know the whole tootie fucking fruity scene is adorable right and then they they get to the hotel okay don't look at me like that i have the reverse where i think that the the scene in the hotel is so not salvageable and it's distasteful and it's frustrating yeah. But then it's the, the I am the devil. I'm here to do the devil's work is almost like a cathartic release of like all this tension that I have in my shoulders of the hearing the Japanese <laughs> thing where I'm like, oh, I want to punch everything. Ah, I get to watch someone die painfully. <sighs> OK, well, you know, I'm sorry. I, I just subjective. think that it's. But that but that scene is there to sort of, you know, ground you back to, OK, this is who they are right now. Oh, Lou Temple's in that scene. Mm hmm. 
I know. Such a good movie. Uh, probably one of the better ones on, on my list as well. So, Well, Aid, what's on your list? That was mine, I guess, because of my background. What do you got? Well, I just, I well, because of, we had Pride this weekend, so I wanted to wear my Freddy's Revenge t-shirt. So I have, obviously, Freddy's Revenge behind me. Um, but... It's is it my favorite sequel? No, of of all the ones that I have on here. No, but I do really like it. It's not my favorite. So I do like Freddy's Revenge. I think it's a little bit different than most of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, especially with the in the sense that he's being taken over. He's the only male lead. There's no final girl. He's the final boy. So I like that. And of course, you know, all of the, you know, LGBTQ undertones that the film has, but we're not need to get into that today. But as far as undertones or overtones. I feel like if you lived in like Norse mythology and had like a field and this was the first movie you'd ever seen, you'd be like, I know not of this homosexuality. But then if you've lived any time since 1910, you're like, whoa, that's the gayest movie I've ever seen. Awesome. Yeah. You want to know? I was like six years old when I saw Freddy's Revenge and I knew I'm like, this is very homoerotic. Yep. I, I think, so how did the director, the writer, all these people say, well, we didn't know we were making a homoerotic movie. I'm like, hmm. Suspicious. Yeah. But I mean, a lot, a lot of things in the 80s, though, were very homoerotic, I will say. So maybe they were just trying to. Maybe they they're they with the times. I don't know. You mean like the, the band hard. Motley Crew with the yes. makeup and the torn tights and poison? Yeah, no, I'll give it to you. That's fair. I mean, right. So there's that. But I mean, obviously, Rage Carry Two is my favorite sequel. We all we all know this, but I didn't want to talk about that. I I did want to mention the Lost Boys Part Two. And because nobody likes it. And I and I think it's actually really good. I think we talked about it before. You know, Tom Savini is in it in the beginning. And I think it's a really good reflection of if of, if somebody now, if we were to have Lost Boys now in this, this day and age, I mean, this movie was like, what, 10 years ago? Longer than that? Oh, oh yeah, God. longer than that. Yeah, longer than that. So whatever, if we were to have, you know, that sort of age, you know, like this generation become vampires, like that's how they would behave. Like there's one, there's one scene where they're all sitting in their, in their little frat house and they're playing video games. And then they're like fucking with each other and like stabbing each other and stuff. And like, just, you know, doing all these gruesome things to each other because they can, and they can survive it. So I thought it was a good little, just something cute that they added to it that kind of makes them sort of like the, the in the first one you were you were fascinated by these vampires right or at least i was i thought they were so cute they should and, have given oh. it like a really good title like lost boys 2 found boys <laughs> oh, as opposed to the tribe well the tri- yeah to the tribe yeah. when it's the tribe at first i'm sitting there thinking oh yeah like tiger lily from peter pan with oh, the lost boys and I thought they were talking about the Cleveland Indians. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, and it's cute. I think that they have the the brother sister relationship, just like the first. So they have little things that kind of echo it. Um, the lead guy looks like Jason Patrick, and then of course, Kiefer Sutherland's brother uh, plays, you know, the new head vampire in this one. So, or not head vampire. He's just the you know, the, the, the leader, I guess. So it's nice to have him in there because he looks a lot like 
Kiefer Sutherland, he talks like him and he just has his mannerisms. So it's kind of like you have him back in a way. So there's that. With half the budget of half paying the Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> sure. But he's, he's really sexy in that movie. So I'll give him that. Um, and then I love, talk, I love talking about... I still know what she did last summer because I just think it's so fun. It's so stupid. Jack Black is ridiculous in that movie, but we have a lot of fun people in it. Mackay Pfeiffer is in it. Brandy's in it. Like, it's just a fun, stupid fucking movie. And I, I love watching it. In fact, I put it on the other day and I was watching it when I was cleaning the house. So if you hate that movie, I'm sorry. I'm probably going to get a lot of bullshit for that. But part one isn't very good to begin with. So oh, where could part two go? But sort of up or at least on the same level of shittiness that the first one was at so yes. yeah i don't know That's a single person who thinks of what is it is it elijah dushku's come on like i know where you are jennifer love hewitt where she's like yelling at the <laughs> sky as if she's like jim carrey at the start of bruce almighty where he's like god is fictional uh, yeah, nobody thinks that's their favorite movie unless it's <laughs> drenched in sentiment because it's objectively not that good. Yeah. No, Sorry, so. uh, Kevin Williamson. Big fan still. You just kind of fucked it. Yeah, that's not that's probably my least favorite. Um, But, you know, the second one is just a lot of fun. It does a lot of, you know, stupid things, but it's still good. At least you have Freddie Prince Jr. back and Jennifer Love. He was still yelling at the sky. So if you did like that, if you did like that from part one, you get it again in part two. So. <laughs> it was such um, like a, a, you know, the low angle panning shot as it's like rounding her. It's supposed to look triumphant. It just looks like some kid having a fucking temper tantrum in the woods. Well, you know, she, I, I don't know what they were thinking. Just what, whatever. I'm not going to even get into that because that's just annoying. Well, um, with her screaming in the sky, that's kind of, it reminds me of uh, my favorite part in Hills of Eyes Part 2 is when the dog has a flashback because they got to fill more padding. <laughs> <laughs> the dog has a flashback. Oh, man. <laughs> um, oh, and Jaws 2. Jaws 2, you're going to say, is better than Jaws 1? Uh, I just want I you to say it on the record, commemorated for all of our listeners to hear and ridicule you over. Okay. Jaws 2 is just as good as part one. Okay. I I, I, I could see that. I know. Uh, see, Jaws 2, I don't remember except the electrocution things. A lot of stuff I, I forget about Jaws 2. And I'm like, oh, where's this scene? I'm like, oh, that's Jaws 1. Nope. Uh, Jake has a poop face on right nope, now. Nope. Can't do it. I can say a Jaws lot of silly three, things. Nope. People zero. Okay. Kind of like that one because the 3D <laughs> where the, the shark is going through the glass and then there's like the glass flowing, but the water doesn't flow. I mean, that's some great, great schlock. But I'm also a fan of 3D on 2D, like Friday the 13th part 3D. When you don't get the 3D effect, it's so quaint. It's like a little kid being like, look what I can do. And you're like, not impressive. Yeah, it's like, sorry, kid, I didn't have my uh, drunk goggles on. Try it again. But uh, okay, so I just watched this the other day, and I know we're in October, and you got to do this with. I don't. I'm not saying this is better than the original, but for October, if you want spooky movies, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Uh, just watch it and try to forget about the first one, and then watch it. It's like a perfect like more R-rated uh, Michael Jackson's thriller. So just give it a chance it, on the original Shout Factory Blu-ray that came out because the Warner Brothers DVD, it's, they messed up some music or whatever. But uh, yeah, try to get that Blu-ray and just watch it for like Halloween. And it feels good. It's a good movie. And then when you watch the first movie, it's like, holy shit, this fucking garbage. I cannot sanction the watching of Return of the Living Dead Part 2. I can with 1 and 3. 
but you've lost me on that one. I'm sorry. I thought that the, isn't part two the one with the kids. Yep. I thought we and, all said that we hated that one. What, what oh well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I hate it too. But I watched it by itself after not watching the first one for a little bit because I'm like, ah, I'm gonna clean and decorate and I'll have something on in the background. And I watch it. It's it's a fun Halloween movie if you're trying to put it up like near Mad Monster Party or uh, you know stuff like that. It, it feels like it fits in, but. When you watch the first one, you're like, holy shit, I was eating McDonald's garbage and I had a filet mignon over here. What the fuck was I doing? So, it's a fair point. It's like the it's like the uh, what's it called? After ejaculation, uh, mind clearance. Like, whoa, what the fuck? Oh, was post that? nut clarity. Post nut clarity. <laughs> it's like that's what happens after watching Return of the Living Dead Part Two. It's like it's not bad. Then you go back and watch the first one. It's like, ooh, what was I thinking? Woof. Well, um. Yeah, I don't know. I have to. I haven't watched the second one in so long, so I wouldn't even know. Couldn't tell you. Okay. Well, um, I have a, a shit ton on my list. Aid, what's your next one? No, that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about. Huh? Uh, well, aliens, but okay, Blade Two. No, I don't want to talk about aliens because I feel like you were going to talk about aliens. No, because I don't constitute that as a horror movie. That's an action movie. There's a big difference. Oh my god! Okay, so then I'm not even going to mention it. Then fine. Uh, No, I wanted to talk about where the hell did it go? Oh, Blade Two. Yes, Guillermo del Toro, the vampire Mm -hmm. eating vampires. Yes. Yes. Uh, Norman Reedus is in it, everybody. So I think that's why I like it so much. <laughs> but uh, it's a little bit more. It still has CGI, but I think it's as far as the first one, the first one's really good. But the second one, I feel like the effects are a little bit better than the first one, simply because I think it's newer. It's still old, but it's not as old as the first one. Then how old are we? Are we ancient? If Blade, II, I remember Blade Two came out in the theaters. I know. I went to the theater to see it, but everything seems to have come out like twenty years ago now. And it's like, oh my god, the fuck! What happened? <laughs> what do you mean this is a classic? This just came out. Oh, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But anyways, Jake, you can go ahead. I'm done. I'm no, done I'm a big mine. fan of Blade 2. Uh, I would love to talk about it because we just talked about it. I just recently watched Blade 1 so I could watch Blade 2. It was not because I had any sentimentality to the first or the third one. I just am a completionist. So I'm working my way through the trilogy with my wife. And she was a little bit like, oh, that was cute when it came to one. And so I'm like, I cannot wait for the butthole puckering deliciousness that is two. Uh, it's I think that the the idea is quaint, right? Like, oh, how cute. I've, wouldn't it be like so meta if like vampires did vampires or whatever? But like the biomechanics are cool. The idea that a monster has a monster to fear is cool. Uh, it, it is a well done hokey idea, which that's kind of Guillermo del Toro when it comes to like Kronos, when it comes to the shape of water, you're like, oh, she fucks a, a fish though? Like this is the, the beauty and the beast where the beast stays the beast, but it's done in a very good way to where you don't really question the weak mechanism. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And it's just, it has a little bit of the same sort of tone as the first one, but I don't think it's really as shifted completely like to something off the wall as part three, obviously. Cause like, honestly, part three is the, the best part. Well, besides Ryan Reynolds body is Parker Posey in that one, but she doesn't even have that big of a part. But she's so she's so good in that, in my opinion. So, well, and you have Triple H and the dog. 
I mean, so it becomes almost yeah. a parody of itself in, in a huge way that I think was way too meta for when it came out. I think a lot of people were very critical of it and the tone and everything. And now you're like, here you go. Now, like <laughs> Deadpool came out. So now you're allowed to like this, everybody. And they're like, oh, sick, cool. Like, it's funny. And you're like, it was always funny, but whatever. No, I, I still enjoyed it. I, I still enjoyed part three, but I really do like part two because I think it still has those darker elements to Blade. I mean, a little bit of the funny, you know, like undertones, I guess. But there's something still sinister with Blade. Like, I won't ever say it's like a complete like comedy or horror comedy or or classify as that, especially with um, what's his name in part one? Why can't Whistler? I think of his name? Or Stephen Dorff, the guy who the last time I saw him in something was a was a vape commercial. <laughs> no. Yep. The last time I saw him in anything was him being like, blue cigarettes are blue, but they're not even cigarettes or whatever. Oh, my God. No, I, yeah, no, I'm thinking, yeah, with Stephen Dorff, like, he was a good villain, in my opinion. I do, I do enjoy him in the first one. So. He's good because he's annoying as fuck. And the older you get, the more hokey and retarded he becomes. And you're like, oh, you are so awful. But that makes him effective. You know, there is no illusion. Even as a kid, I didn't think he was cool, but now it's so hokey and so tired. And it's just like these fucking millennial kids with their TikToks, like his impetuous, snotty attitude to everybody where I'm like, God, I cannot wait for you to turn into a pillar of blood or whatever. <laughs> you must be speaking about Billie Eilish. Yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, that would make a great remake. But you still keep Wesley Snipes with the CGI eyeballs. Yeah, you have her dancing in that club where they have the blood coming out of the sprinklers. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, that was on my list as well. So don't be ashamed. Oh, OK. All right. I don't feel so badly then. As so the resident it. like superhero guy, like I kind of had to. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. So I didn't want to I didn't want anything to like kind of go over. Oh, and Child's Play 2. I don't know. Well, I'm done. I'm done. I ha- yeah, I have that on my list. However, Child's Play 2, as much as I love it, Ch- the first Child's Play still inches it over because I still think the first Child's Play, the, the first Child's Play scared me to death as a kid. Yeah. And I still think it holds up with Joe Renzetti's score over like uh, Graham Ravel's uh, more playful soundtrack on the second movie. The first movie just scary. In fact, I, I was going to say that I think I know Chucky is what he is now, but if they just made child's play and left it like that would be like, I think it would be more like people would regard it as like, Oh, that would have had like a criterion collection or something. You know what I mean? Cause it's just, they shot him in the heart at the end of that movie. And that, that was it. That movie fucking scared me as a kid. It's still creepy to this day. I think it's, it's still the best child's play out of all of them. And it, IMO. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem with that. It's it's a it's a lot like, you know, your Friday the 13th everything. That's what makes these hard is because tonally if you don't give them the I guess like handicap of what was coming on culturally around what the budget was, you could say that every single sequel was complete trash and every single sequel was amazing. Because if you look at some of them you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe how terrible this is." But then you're like, "Oh, they made this in a week during a writer strike." Like maybe it's not so bad. So that's the thing that is constantly kind of in flux when it comes to these and why, you know, don't be insulted if we don't think it's good. Just shut up and like your movies. Yeah. Well, I think people, like you say, like we said before, you know, it's the nostalgia, right? And then also to people want to see, they don't like something taking their beloved first one and like, you know, turning it on its head and changing it in so many ways and changing, especially with a lot of sequels, like the main character, some of them don't come back. So they have different actors playing them. So people just get very 
annoyed by it. If you just look at it now for what it is, I mean, you know, because we look back on, on Halloween 2, Friday the 13th Part 2, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Child's Play Part 2. Like, we grew up with those because they most of them came out before we were born, right? So we just kind of grew up on those. And I think that for some people our age, like, it's easy for us to to look at them objectively and be like, okay, I can see what's good about this versus like if you were obsessed with the the part one back then. Yeah. And also we have, you have to keep in mind, like we got them all at once. It wasn't as though we had to wait for them. And I think that's a huge element in the anticipation of things. Why some people like have that, like great, like, you know, there are people who fucking hate the shining, right? But they also had the shining built up for them with media and everything and they saw it and they were let down because they'd already had the time to read the book and the time that it was announced. Whereas we just grew up and there was the shining. So that's mm-hmm. something that everybody needs to kind of be mindful of is like, you could be very disappointed or it could be the reverse where it, it's a, a fruition. It's like, you, you know, your post nut clarity um, with everything. <laughs> uh. So I'll just, I'm going to read off a few that I have and I, I, I'm just looking at the time and I don't want to take up everything. Obviously, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, because it is one and it's two. That also reminded me, Jack Frost 2, that's, that's canonically in Slasher's Pantheon. That is the superior movie. Maniac Cop 2, kind of obvious. Gremlins 2, that's my personal opinion, and I know that a lot of people disagree with that. I, I saw people say Silence of the Lambs a lot. No, that is not true. It is not within the continuity of Manhunter. Hence, Red Dragon being the prequel. It's so, yes, it would be a sequel to the Thomas Harris novel. It is not, so it doesn't count. Eat shit and die. Troll 2. <laughs> are we talking cultural impact or the merit of the movie itself? A Dawn of the Dead question mark I have. And then the Howling 2. I don't, and a lot of people aren't going to agree with me, but Christopher Lee being in anything makes it good. So a lot of things where it wouldn't be good but for him. So just putting it out there that maybe it's better because of Sir Christopher Lee. Or Sybil Danning exposing her breasts 32 times in the end credits to the same music. <laughs> I'm into it. Don't judge uh, me. I'm a married man. I got to get my rocks off somehow. Uh, yeah, I guess Sybil Danning will do it. She did the same thing 32 times. I remember, you know what? That, what's funny about that? They probably did that because they, they're like, oh, you know, this will sell great when it goes on home video. So they had like all these horny like teens and stuff and, and old guys just kind of rewinding the tape. So you're watching the same thing over and over again. It's like, man, this is a gift before a gift was even invented. You mean a gift? A gift? Yes, gift, gift. from God. Ooh. One thing I'd like to say, too, is as much as your, your list was great, because uh, Gremlins 2 is one of my favorites, you know, especially the whole microwave Marge thing. I think that's, that's some of the best. Uh, that's my favorite sequence in that film. <laughs> Just a little of Sherry? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I still say that sometimes, like when I'm when guests come over and stuff, I'll say, and you can have some of these when guests come over. Some people use a dash. But I use a lot. So. Dude, she's making the grossest fucking things I've ever seen. Like, what is you, you, it? It's bean dip and bologna. Like, it's so amazing. <laughs> bean dip, yeah, bean dip bologna. It looks like that stuff you could buy for like 25 cents. The ramen noodle stuff you pour in the microwave and just put, yeah, bean dip. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's your, it reminds me a lot of um, another one of my favorite sequels, actually. It's not a part two, but it's a part five. Friday the 13th, part five. That's my favorite Friday the 13th one. It's super sleazy. It's su- what what the hillbilly mom, I call her the redneck real pearl mom, uh, what she's making for her son. Yeah, absolutely. With idiot with his, uh, his dirt bike, for sure. Yeah, it's like uh, it, what's in there, like uh, like cabbage, tomatoes, and then she spits in it. And she's like, get, get out of here, get your fucking dinner. 
<laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is she cooking? You are you gonna eat that too? You eat that so too, gross. or is just for you're serving your slop? So. <laughs> um, a, did you have any umbrage with any of the ones that I picked out? Oh. Um, oh, you didn't remember any of them. You forgot them deliberately. No, no, because no, because I know that we. I know why you love Gremlins too, but for me, Part One is is my favorite because Gremlins is like my my Christmas movie. So you know, I I have to have it at Christmas. Like Gremlins Part Two doesn't have a holiday attached to it, so that's, it has, it has a holiday every day. It's corporate business. That's actually that's why true, I yeah. like it so much. Is simply the fact that I could watch it anytime because i remember as a kid being very let down by the idea that i couldn't um you know well i didn't feel like i could watch it anytime i knew i could nothing was obviously going to stop me but you know that was just yeah. where i was at yeah and it's you know it's sillier it's it, they're super cute i love you know gizmo in part two i just think that the first one for me is just you know more my my and i think it's a little bit scary well it's scarier in my opinion so I think Gremlins too is my... I think them- thematically it's scarier. I'll completely agree with that. But I think that the visuals, there are some truly like revolting visuals in two that I don't think get yeah. anywhere near enough credit. Like frankly, it is amazing how goopy and gross some of the, especially like the whole sludge effect at the end. But I can't, I can't fault you for that because the rest of it, it's bookended. It's very weird because it's the exact antithesis of what I love about Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Like, I think Evil Dead 2 is garish. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. It's kind of, tonally, it's annoying. But I, I think that also it's the kind of tongue in cheek elements of the idea of doing a sequel in the first place that makes Gremlins 2 fit better. Like, because Evil Dead just feels like a retread, or excuse me, Evil Dead 2. Whereas Gremlins 2, where it is thematically similar, it also has the, you know, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I do enjoy that movie. I love that movie. So it's not that I don't like it. You're um, goddamn so. right you do. <laughs> yeah, there is no special edition of Gremlins 2. I have the Laserdisc and the VHS behind me here. But um, yeah, it's, it, you know, that something that scared me as a kid was uh, when, when she goes into the office and the Gremlin is, uh, you know, he's, he's like, and you smacking his hand on the keyboard and something he gets shredded in that paper shredder. So good. <laughs> well, that scares me too. I'm like, all right, never wear a tie around a built in table paper shredder. So I still like, think <laughs> about that to this day whenever I wear a tie. Every time I put on a tie and my business is generally wearing ties. So you can imagine how often I think of it. Well, I mean, well, that's pretty cool. But have you seen one of those built in table paper shredders that they have there? Uh, no, actually, I, I never have in my at least my professional career. I've seen it in the movie. Oh, well, there you go. It's like that giant microwave that I've been searching for for microwave massacre and it doesn't exist. Bullshit. So. Yeah. Well, I don't think we have a need for a, a giant paper shredder anymore either. So. To be fair, I don't know. I, I like paper shredding. Sometimes it's therapeutic. Sometimes I get that white dust that comes out of the paper shredder, and I'm basically <laughs> like, mm, "Now I got a, a white mustache." <laughs> okay, Stupid stuff. I know, right? <laughs> um, is Ten Cloverfield Lane a sequel, or is it just in the same universe? <sighs> it's a sequel. I thought it was a sequel. Good. Uh, Aid, what do you think? You winced a little bit. I want to say it's a sequel, but the more I think about it, I don't know. I think it's just a part of this. <sighs> that one is so hard. It is so hard. Well, because if we include that one, then we have to do what was you have it to called? Do the other one, Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, yeah. and that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I see it as a sequel because then that then if that's not a sequel, then that Paranormal Activity one that took place in El Monte, um, then you say that's not a sequel, but it is. So, Fair well, that's point. part. What part is that? That one is. Um, 
Oh yeah, I guess it would be the sequel. When, oh god, whatever. They're, they made too many of those. They didn't need to. So. Now they're making a new one. So seeing so now the new generation's like, oh my god, this is gonna be a new Squid Game. It's like no, it's not fucking Paranormal Activity. Hmm. Gen Zers, bunch know, of turds is what they are. <laughs> yeah, like as long as Billie Eilish makes an appearance, I don't watch anything. Now, is oh, it a cop out to have? You know, stuff like Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, where it is inclusive of one. Because that's something I've always been kind of like, eh, yeah, you get the best of both. But is the movie on its own meretricious of being good, or is it just kind of a greatest hits? Well, the last 30 minutes of that movie is, is uh, you, I mean, you get your greatest hits. I always watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, because it's like and then I watch two movies for the price of one. And then you get Troll 2 territory with with uh, Ricky running around. And maybe right before he's about to strangle his girlfriend with the with the antenna, she's like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you don't get that kind of acting anymore. And the thing is, I feel like they're not trying to be campy. That's just kind of how it was. Like, he's about to strangle you with the antenna and just say, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, uh, and uh yeah, the fake sex scene uh, in Silent Night, Daily Night Part Two. That's what always makes me laugh too, uh, when they're in the theater. And it's it's the cartoon effect. They're throwing popcorn in the air and you get the legs shaking. So, um, yeah. what do you think, Aid? No, I, I. But see, a lot of movies did that back then. That they had like half of the first one in the beginning, so that you were caught up, right? So, oh yeah, look at even Silent like the Rocky movies. Two. Forty yeah. minutes was the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, 40 minutes of flashback scenes. Oh, my God. It was really that much? Yeah. I, I never watched the first one. I just watched the second one. <laughs> I feel like you don't have to. <laughs> well, you, you, I, I think uh, the best actor in that movie was Ricky's uh, eyebrows. He always raised them every time he talked. It's like, yeah, Doc, it was a red car. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, he had the Florida eyebrows. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. So yeah, I think these are a really good list. Is there any like? Do we have any more? Like, um, well, I did have on my list here. I, I when I rewatched them again, Saw Two is inf- infinitely better than Saw One because after you realize Saw One, it's like it's you know what I mean. It's like it's hard to kind of rewatch it. Cause it's like oh, it's the twist at the end. But Saw Two is just much more fun, and, and that's probably a controversial one too because everyone's like Saw's, but it's like you already know what happened in Saw. You know, I just saw two yeah. is where the games were. And then you get more uh, John Kramer, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then another one too, well, cause we're doing a whole topic on ho- the Halloween movies, right? Yeah. Okay. So I won't even, I won't, I'm not even going to touch that with a stick. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, the older I get, the more I like house Two, the second story. Yeah. I hated it as a kid, but as I'm older now, I'm like, you know what? This is, it's a ghost Western movie with Gramps, uh, and Dust a caterpillar dog. Bitch. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a horror version of the Muppets. Oh, for sure, that's actually a great analysis. <laughs> yeah, you oh. get all these ghost. Ca- yeah, if you haven't seen, have you seen House Two Aid? Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. Like I, the really? house movies are okay for me. I'm- no, we'll see. I loved the first one as a kid, and then when I saw the second one, I was so turned off by it. Um, not not tonally, I guess tonally, because I was expecting more of the first one. But now that I get older, I'm like House Two is just so much fun. It should you get. A drunk driving uh, ghost zombie grandpa, and uh, I don't. I, I just I, it's a lot of fun, and you get Slim Razor, who for those fans out there, I know Cameron, um, you know hide and go eek. We play Dead by Daylight. I see her on there sometimes, and uh, they 
they didn't get the credit for it. They didn't give it credit, but there's a killer that you can play called the Death Slinger, and that is Slim Razor from House 2. I, I guarantee it looks exactly like him, <laughs> but they didn't give House 2 credit for that. Aww. Bullshit. Now, looking over my notes, I did ask you guys if the cultural impact of the sequel should be weighed in. Troll is a fine movie. It is just a movie. It is objectively a better movie than Troll 2, but the zeitgeist, whatever you want to call it, makes people like Troll 2. Is that a fair way of assessing if it's better than the first one? Why don't you go first, Ed? Because I got these uh, the, these gardeners outside blowing each other with the blow dryers. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds saucy. Well, you have that, and then uh, Dan fell asleep with the TV on, and now Disney Junior is just blaring in the background, and I can't even. Oh, get well, up that's okay. We could get backyardigans or the gardeners. Uh, so, um, Dan watches uh, the backyardigans. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was watching something that he recorded, and then he fell asleep, and then the regular TV comes back on because ah. I leave on the Disney Channel for Stella. So now, let me ask you: If you're watching a rerun of that show, is it the backyardigans again? <laughs> I don't even know what that show is. Like, I know I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever watched. Is that on Disney? That's not even a Disney show. Sounds like it. I don't know. Um, maybe it was, and I just never saw it. But anyways, uh, I think I just I don't know because Troll One I prefer more because it scared me. Like, it really did scare me when I was a kid. But I haven't watched it as an adult, so I don't know. That might change your mind because the one thing about the first Troll. And Yahira, when we were watching it, uh, she's like, they're not saying that. I'm like, I, as a kid, I watched it. These trolls, when all of them come out, they all sing this, like, enchanting song. And I thought they were always saying bubble butt, bubble, bubble, bubble butt, bubble butt, bubble, bubble, bubble. And I'm like, they're saying bubble butt. And she's like, no, they're not. And then Yahira watched She's like, wait, they are saying bubble butt. So. Oh, I don't remember that. I just remember the part where, like, they popped a hole in the guy and, like... Like all this, I don't know. It was just really, I remember it used to scare the shit out of me and I hated that movie. So I well, feel like. Troll <laughs> 2 or uh, Troll 1, the kid's name was Harry Potter and he was a wizard. Really? Yeah, the kid's name was like, oh, <laughs> Harry Potter. About that. <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter. And they're talking, and uh, the the neighbor lady that's the witch, um, she looks like, uh, I'm not very good with Harry Potter, but she looks like the teacher. McGonagall? The old lady teacher. Yeah. And yeah, she's talking like pet mushrooms and stuff and like then J.K. Rowling. But Doug, where is the transphobia in Troll 1? Obviously, if it's the template for Harry Potter, anybody? Oh, my God. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, the transphobia, it's uh, no. So Troll is more uh, uh, socially relevant than Harry Potter now because you don't get the transphobia (laughs) that you get in J.K. Rowling. I love that. I would love if the makers of Troll were billionaires. Rather than J.K. Rowling. Mm. Yeah, I know. Imagine that. It's like, okay, Harry Potter's canceled. We're going to bring Troll in the place. So Universal Studios has like the Troll ride. That'd be so rad. Well, then people would go because they would think it's the new like glittery Troll thing. But still, they'd make money. So good for them. Oh, yeah. It's Trolls. Well, they have a Trolls part. They're building a new Troll stage in the kids section next to E.T. Good for them. Yay. Oh, you have E.T. still. We don't. Oh, you don't have E.T. anymore? Nope. Thank God. Some, Creepy lost fuck a with his weird finger. <laughs> yeah, Amazon sells. Yeah, I'm not even getting into that. But uh, um, so the crazy thing at our Universal, I know it's like off topic, but they have the Minions area, and the Minions area is just so like. I mean, it's granted it's for kids, but it's just like if you walk over there, they're like like back before the pandemic, they used to come out in costume and stuff, and actually, I find the Minions so fucking annoying. And uh, the bathroom, 
because uh, for Horror Nights, they had the bathroom open. And in the Minions bathroom, uh, a guy shot himself uh, oh. in there. And uh, I'm just like, I, I I feel like he was probably so annoyed by the Minions. That's why he did it. But now that's like a haunted <laughs> spot there. So when you go to Horror Nights, let's go in the men's bathroom near the Minions. That's haunted in there. Legitimately, I almost had a spit take. Wow. Wow! <laughs> Just Google it. You'll see that bathroom. Uh, it's, it's near that that old town area oh um, at God. Universal, right next to the I Minions literally have area. Tea in my nose. I have Earl Grey tea. Oh, uh, Jake! Right, so you almost spilled your tea. I did. Well done, Douglas. <laughs> uh, well, scary real life stuff. You go to Universal and you end up on Live Leak. Mm. Now mm. uh, we've been talking about doing brainstorms at the end of these episodes. Is there a movie that you would like to pitch a sequel to right now? Yeah, actually, one I had uh, thought thought about for a while. I wish it came to fruition. Uh, White Chicks 2, Black Chicks. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. no. Okay, no, that's just a joke. It's just oh, a joke. Oh, wow. <laughs> Starring Justin Trudeau. Yeah, 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 exactly. See, you, you get the point there. No, actually, a sequel that I would have always loved to have. So this is a weird one because they made a sequel to it and I didn't like it. But um, I really liked the Canadian film Watchers. And that was a Dean Koontz book. And mm. when they made the sequel, they just they, they changed the tone and everything. But I would love to see like a sequel to Watchers because the dog and uh, Corey Haim survived that. And uh, I would just love to see where it goes. So, you know, you got the monster pulling people's eyeballs out because the monster knows it's freaking hideous looking. So it rips people's eyes out uh, if they see it. So I don't know. I just think there was a lot of opportunity with that. And then the second movie, they made it into like a Roger Corman a typical Roger Corman film, because I think he produced the second one. Mm-hmm. So that was that. I would like to see that more of the tone of the first movie. Um, or another one too. Have you, have you guys ever seen Blood Sucking Pharaohs in Pittsburgh? No, I have not. Ooh, that that one need that one should get a sequel. I would love to see that Blood Sucking Pharaohs in El Monte. <laughs> they wouldn't survive the night. I keep ripping on El Monte. I, I love El Monte. They got uh, some good restaurants there. Oh my god. Um. Hey, did you have one? Uh, so I don't know if you guys saw the first one, but I love this indie film that I've had for years and years and years. I got it at a convention. Like I can't even like 2012, I'd say the orphan killer, which is actually on Tubi right now. So if anybody wants to watch part one, but it ended open ended and the facts were really good in it. Like it's a good movie. I enjoy it. I actually really like it. So I think that it would be nice if we could have a sequel to it that's a little bit more polished than the first one. So that'd be great. But we'll see. So with mine, I have one that I feel would be good and bad and one that I feel would be never achievable. So uh, I've always thought Cabin in the Woods, I have always mm. respected that there wasn't a sequel, but it is such sequel bait with the way that it ends. Like you could literally take the next one anywhere. If it started off as a post-apocalyptic world, I'd be like, I completely accept this. If it started off as Pee-wee's Playhouse, I would totally accept this just because like the reality bending version of it. And then one that I it had been talked about and talked about and talked about killer clowns from outer space and another one. I'm grateful that it hasn't happened because I don't know how you could ever do that movie justice. Like even with all the special effects, even with all the CG, I don't see a scenario where that works. Which one? Killer Clowns? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, see, that they've been talking about a sequel for the longest time. I thought Netflix was supposed to do something with that. But, you know, the thing with Killer Clowns is that I think it's perfect the way it is because yep. their costumes look so dirty, like when they're in the woods. So it's creepy and it's scary, but it's also 
but it's not making fun of itself. That's the thing. It's it's not Evil Dead Twoing it. It's it yeah. still takes itself pretty seriously of, of all things. Like there's some goofy stuff, in it, but it, but it's 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 the characters. It's almost like Return of the Living Dead the way it is. Exactly where it's it might be absurd, but that's the baseline that we're dealing with. That's the rules of this universe. Like it might be stupid that your weakness is the thing in the middle of your face, but that's just the rules, and then we're accepting it. It's not like tongue in cheek towards something else. It's self contained. Yeah, like when Suzanne Snyder's getting attacked by those popcorn clown things. Like, you know, they're legit. That's legit scary. Yeah, dude. <laughs> why don't you want hamper. <laughs> yeah, see, me neither. I get yelled at all the time. She's like, you not don't know the difference between whites, darks, and lights. I'm like, I don't know. I don't go in there. Because you know. you're colorblind. And we yeah, appreciate say, that about you. I'm equal opportunity. I throw everything in there. You threw towels in with the blankets? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't care. So. I don't see textures, babe. I touch them. Yeah. Yeah, see? There you go. New marketing slogan. Now, uh, let's say hypothetically, now that we've reached the end of this episode, we wanted more of this episode, but in a different form, like let's say on a TV. Doug, how would we achieve that? Yes, so we you can see us on B-Movie TV. Me and Jake both have a show that we're, uh, we're hosting, and um, it, right now, during October, it's the Halloween Marathon lineup. So Fridays at 8 p.m., Friday Night Action, a.k.a. Friday Night Slashing, uh, we're so, showing some crazy movies. We just showed Chris DePretis' uh, film who was the lawyer character in uh, Don't Touch That Dial. So he made his first feature film and we uh, we premiered it on the channel. So we're doing a bunch of fun stuff. Jake had a good movie on last week, Fatal uh, Exposure, yeah. which I actually really liked that super movie a fun. lot. Uh, 20 yeah. minutes in, the guy starts Ferris Buellering it and talking to the audience directly. And then they recap all of the kills up to that point. And I was like, this is amazing. This is either the most overly competent or incompetent filmmaking I've ever seen. Yeah, and we still got to try to – while we're on the air here, what's the name of that movie that I, I forget about all the time? The one me and you love, those two guys that are in that uh, cabin the whole time and it's just really weird. Tucker and Dale? A spike of Love, I oh, think. Oh, yeah. Spike. it's uh, it, That's uh, like a more of a basement apartment, but yeah, I love Spike of Love. That's amazing. Yeah. So anyone out there listening, Vinegar Syndrome, Severin, please hunt that film down. It's original elements and uh, get that up there. But that's besides the point. Join us on B-Movie TV on Roku. It's free, cheap bastards. Now, Adrian, let's say we wanted to monetarily contribute to the creation of this show and many others like it. How do we do that? Oh, well, you would just go down to patreon.com slash slashers pod and take a look at all of our tiers that we have up there. And guys, if you want your own episode, like you want an episode that, you know, you want us to do something specific that you want specifically, we do have a tier for that. So please feel free to donate to the Patreon. We're happy to work for you. There we go. Doug, send us home, my friend. All right. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. And without that being said, support and nurture your favorite sequels. Who cares what people say? So feed it a bottle, squeeze it some fresh tit milk, and uh, goodbye and good die. (laughs) 